Welcome to the Geek Psychology Podcast. This podcast comes from the Geek Psychology YouTube channel, where we use personality type and geek and gaming culture to help you play life better. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being you. And I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, team? It's Sherman here from Geek Psychology. Next up on the randomly ordered list of videos in the How to Think Like a Blank series is Extroverted Intuition. How fitting, right? Dario Nardi said that extroverted intuition dominance, ENFP and ENTP, rely on a high-energy mode that bridges across contexts and ideas. In this video, I'll explain how they actually do it based on the brain regions they use. Remember, this is my second-hand explanations from Dario Nardi's book, Neuroscience of Personality, Brain Savvy Insights for All Types of People. Buy the book. Okay, <laughs> so what is extroverted intuition? Well, extroverted intuition takes one thing, one object, or one idea and connects it to others. It does this over and over and over again in a broad, expansive way. It doesn't really care about specific details. What it cares about is more like exploring ideas and hypothetical possibilities. So extroverted intuition reminds me of Family Guy's style of comedy. Like the bit or the gag starts in one place and the characters get distracted, the topic jumps out further and further away from the original idea. In RPG terms, uh, extroverted intuition is like a shotgun wielding an adventurous hunter. If you've seen you know, the geek psychology videos before, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. I call people who use extroverted intuition as their dominant function, gunslingers. And they're this, like, they're very creative and can't be held down to one thing. They always want to explore new options and find new beasts to fight. Basically, anything that's novel or exciting gets priority over something that they've seen before. Their trophy wall is lined with these past challenges and exciting memories. Then the wall acts as inspiration and a springboard to think of new and creative ways to conquer their foes. So these are broad stereotypes, but it's easier to start with the basics, this basic understanding, and then refine it as you get more and more information. So, shotgun bang, what's up with that brain? So, okay, I have a personal love for extroverted intuition because it's my auxiliary function as an INFP. It helps complement my natural introverted feeling style and it feels really good to use. It motivates me and it lets me see things in different ways. It helps me grow by leaving my mind for a minute and looking out into the world, essentially. <laughs> uh, Nardi's findings solidified what I already felt was probably happening. Uh, extroverted intuitive types use their brain in a seemingly random or chaotic way to connect things from different contexts. My friend always says that his brain is too fast and he can't keep up with it. Nardi calls this the Christmas tree pattern, 
And what it does is something called transcontextual thinking. So basically, a stimulus enters the brain and is processed in many different regions. Even regions that don't seem applicable to the stimulus get involved. Uh, all the, the brain regions are busy and are rapidly firing to check for different relationships. So if someone says cat, then many areas in the brain light up and tons of different connections are found. You know, the usual connection to dog or some visual memory from that person's past might be processed, but cat could also lead to yarn, rain, cartoons, James Bond, a guitar, or taking his example, uh, the relationship between two brothers, one faithful and sociable, and the other, this quiet and independent brother. Or anything else, really. It can just go on and on. So each region gets a piece of this information and then tries to convince the person to follow that train of thought, basically, if you're going to personify it, like I always do. So in game terms, I think of this as kind of like spray and pray. It's just firing randomly and trying to connect with the target. So because every region gets a hold of the information, many different opinions can come about and different ideas in that sense. And unfortunately, this might contribute to giving NE types this kind of flaky or self-contradicting vibe. And in their and my defense, there are just so many options to explore. And once you pop the top, like pop the lid off the idea flavored Pringles, you just can't stop. You just need to eat them all up. <laughs> uh, so FP2, let's get into the brain regions here. FP2, this region is in the front of your brain, just above your right eye. Uh, it's used heavily for perceiving function dominance, IJ types and EP types. In the boss mod model I use here at Geek Psychology, perceiving functions are represented by warriors, sensors, and hunters, intuitors. I call them scouts. These scouts are all are these classes who like to take in more information before making decisions. They're scouting for more information, basically. And Dario Nardi calls this region the process manager or the vigilant task master. FP1 is called the chief judge. So just let the symbolism behind those two ideas soak in for a bit. We've been talking about FP1 making decisions being decisive, and now FP2 vigilant taskmaster. So the process manager, this taskmaster, watches things but doesn't actually make decisions. Nardi says that it's not verbal or directive. It checks to make sure that everybody, all the brain regions, are doing something and on the right task. And it also notices which step you are on in a task and suggests when you're done brainstorming. So when you say, like, I'm out of ideas, FP2 lights up. So you see how it doesn't actually make decisions. It simply informs you of what's going on while taking in new information. And FP2 also lets us consider new or unpleasant ideas. It allows negative information to come in and mutes emotional responses for reflection. 
So FP1, the chief judge, actively blocks those in order to focus and confidently decide. So activity in FP2 then allows you to become sad by letting the bad news bears march in and enter your consciousness. Hopefully this is so that you can improve or learn something through introspection by delaying assertive decision-making. If FP1 is like the strict, dictator-like, autocratic raid leader, FP2 is more like the open, participative, laissez-faire, laissez-faire leader. <laughs> it doesn't force decisions, but rather lets each member contribute and say their opinions. Of course, if you're letting in more opinions and ideas, it'll take more time to reach a decision. And when it's time to decide, FP1 steps in and lays down the final say. F7, uh, F7 is called the imaginative mimic or the quick analogizer. Uh, Nardi says that it helps people imagine other places or times. And it's helpful in role-playing as well. Although it's in my auxiliary spot, this really hit home for me. I always imagine things from other perspectives as much as I can and try to play out the situation. I can only assume that's what NE dominants do, but you know, I do it at a smaller scale because that's their dominant function. And this region also helps extroverted intuition users mirror behavior. He called it our own Star Trek holodeck where we can enjoy mentally testing real or fantasy events. And we often do this by seeing something happen and then imagining doing it to learn or pretend or act. And this helps us pick up new skills and imagine what if. What if. So since this region helps us mimic people and play out different situations, it also helps with empathy and building rapport. If you can imagine how someone feels, then you can adapt. But just because you use this F7 region, it doesn't mean that you will definitely adjust yourself to the social context. <laughs> Other factors definitely influence that. People that don't have a lot of activity here uh, have a hard time imagining different situations. They might feel that they don't have a good imagination in general, and they probably struggle with brainstorming as well. If you've seen any of the mind maps that I've made, you'll know that I absolutely love them. Which makes sense, because F7 is also a key region for INFPs, as I've said, and we have extroverted intuition as our auxiliary function. Pretty cool, right? So ENFPs, let's get into the ENFPs. Uh, the two types that use extroverted intuition as their dominant function definitely have some differences as you would expect. And ENFPs use introverted feeling as their auxiliary function. So this often makes them more people focused. Uh, they make decisions using their emotions and their beliefs and values more often and they probably assume that everybody is guided by a set of personal values. Uh, X is good, Y is bad, uh, I must do X so I can maintain my identity and be congruent in that sense. 
So the F7 region we just talked about is going to be used more often in connecting to people for the ENFPs. And I see ENFPs as more likely to prefer and be good at mimicking people and imagining interactions instead of tailoring the, the mental rehearsal and detail inferring ability to objective logical concepts. <laughs> so basically they're just, they're more people focused usually. Stereotypes, I know, but it's okay. <laughs> T4, the intuitive listener, also comes into play here. This region helps us notice how something is said by listening to voice tone and searching for the intentions behind the interactions. If we're talking to someone and we just get this feeling that the person isn't being honest, this is the region that um, it's, it's essentially rolling an insight check <laughs> and informing us that something is wrong based on the voice and tone alone. And uh, we use it to sense other people's motives as well. So the visual part of that insight check uh, comes in with the next region, O2, the abstract impressionist. O2 is an artsy and holistic region. It looks for general artistic themes and aesthetics and style in that sense. Essentially, it looks for the feel of things and the words brought out by symbols. Also, it helps you notice body language and gain an impression of the person's character from their appearance. So ENTPs, ENTPs use introverted thinking as their auxiliary function. And so you can assume that they're, they're more often to be more technical and data-focused than artistic and image-focused and kind of value-focused. So the example that Nardi gave in his book had high activity in T3, the precise speaker, and P4, the strategic gamer. And ENTPs are stereotypically more strategic and use brain regions that help them weigh many pros and cons and uh, pay close attention to word choice and diction. So T3, the precise speaker, is used for fine speech and composing complex sentences with proper grammar. It's also used to listen to the other people's word choice. Being able to choose the correct word to explain the concept is a necessary strength for ENTPs. My ENTP friend definitely has a lot of activity in this region. He often has a deep desire to know the etymology of different words and choose the most accurate word to express his ideas. He's also a great dungeon master for our Dungeons & Dragons group and he's able to just build a unique and fun adventure every time, branching off from our wild antics. P4, the strategic gamer, is active when we weigh pros and cons of choices. So if you and your team run into a pack of like five monsters, what are your chances of winning? And what about if you factor in resistances, levels, armor, and classes of both sides? How are the enemies positioned and how should you position your team? This kind of information gets objectively evaluated and the, the person is able to find leverage to influence or succeed in the situation. So your quest. Uh, think about 
how skilled you are at using the brain regions I mentioned. Do you think you have a Christmas tree in your brain? Is it time you get it out? Maybe you need to open the presents underneath and check what's inside the box. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> are you able to skillfully imagine different contexts and mentally role play through them? And how much priority do you think you give each region that I talked about? Um, what would life be like if you could use the different regions more or less? <laughs> and how can you use this information to build rapport with extroverted intuition users, dominance or you know, auxiliary function users. Uh, in, if you are an ENFP or an ENTP, in what ways can you tailor your strengths to work better with others? So the brain regions, again, FP2, the process manager, F7, the imaginative mimic or the quick analogizer, T4, the intuitive listener, O2, the abstract impressionist, T3, the precise speaker, and P4, the strategic gamer. So thank you very much for watching this video. I hope it was informative. I hope it helped out and uh, that it kind of rang true for you if you are an ENP or an INP. <laughs> so let me know down below in the comments, like, subscribe, share if it was helpful. It really helps me out and hopefully we can join up and conquer the world together by spreading this different way of looking at psychology. So thank you very much for watching. Good luck, have fun, and peace. Thanks for listening and I hope you got something out of it. I know that by listening to this podcast, it means that you're ready to take your life to the next level, and I'm so excited to help you do it. Whether you're struggling with anxiety, lack of motivation, or you're just looking for your spark and purpose, I have many courses and a one-on-one -on -one coaching service available to you to help you get out of your own way and be happy. So head on over to geekpsychology.com to get started. See you there.